Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My name is Daniel Moss and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm here with our lead pastor, Pastor Troy. Bum, 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 and, bum. Yeah, and Josh Humphreys uh, sitting next to me. Hey, everyone. Cool, 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 cool. Well, we had a great week uh, of reading again, and uh, we left uh, the end of January, starting to the beginning of February, and uh, we went from Exodus 11 all the way through Exodus 24. So within that, the Ten Commandments, not the movie, the actual, literal Ten Commandments uh, as given to Moses. Then we did Psalm 18 and 19. We did uh, Proverbs chapter 6, just several Proverbs throughout chapter 6. And then we started with Matthew 20 and went through Matthew 23. And that, uh, some very telling things in the Gospel of Matthew and that was the reading for last week, so that's what we're going to focus on today. But uh, we obviously, we're ready to um, talk about uh, everything in the Bible, but uh, but we're, I mean, you're welcome to read any part of the Bible at any pace you want to. This is our focused Bible reading that you can get at fbcj.us and uh, and go through our reading plan with us. But uh, we, uh, we read through the Bible together as a church, and then we talk about the things that God is showing to us through His Word. Uh, And so hopefully you'll come back and hear what God has shown us as we return. Okay, we have returned here to talk about the devotional moments that we've each read. Now, we have Mm -hmm. gone through and kind of told each other what sections, and by God's grace, there's enough Bible to go around. So, hallelujah. (laughs) That's Um, right. There's a lot of reading to cover, and I'm excited to do it. We're obviously not going to get to every single thing that was in this week's reading, but that's why we do this multiple seasons, multiple years. We try to cover as much ground as we can. And yeah. um, so we've each got different sections. If you have another thing that you'd like to throw at us, email us, text us, um, whatever you got to do, get it to us, and we'd love to to hear from you. So um, I think, right. uh, what, Pastor Troy, you're going to start? I am, and I, I want to echo that. If you have a question about something we talk about in the podcast, go ahead and send that question to us. We'd be glad to deal with it. It's not like you missed your opportunity. Uh, or you have a comment about something we made in the podcast, we'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear what God is saying to you in God's Word uh, and if you want to be on the podcast, you can let us know. Uh, we'd love to invite you in. We'll we'll shove Josh out. We're always looking for a reason to get rid of Josh. No, I'm kidding. We could, well, <laughs> oh. we've never we've never yeah we have. I was gonna say we've never had four people, but we have four people. So we we've actually we done that before. So we've done that before. So There's it precedent. wouldn't be the first time. There is precedent for that. I wanted to start with something from Exodus chapter Exodus chapter 16. I think we all had something from Exodus. Mm. So Exodus 16. Uh, it says, then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, 
How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. I, the story of the manna is amazing. For one thing, when in the story of Exodus, you have uh, all the people, their clothes don't wear out, their shoes never wear out. For 40 years, they wander around, even though they're being uh, kind of judged by God for, for what they did wrong. You have everybody wandering around, uh, and, but, they, but then God provides them bread every day. And the way he did the manna was he, uh, he every morning, like the dew on the ground, uh, when the dew would lift or whatever, it would leave behind this uh, coriander seed kind of thing. And they would go and they would use this to make bread and, and a variety of things, but this is what they would cook with. And uh, and so it really was bread from heaven. But he has specific rules about it, that you could not take more than what you needed. So you gathered what you needed for the day, you used it for the day, and then you threw out the rest. You did not get keep, keep extra. And he said, on on this is what the amazing, miraculous part about it is, on Friday, knowing that the Sabbath was going to come next day, so they wouldn't have to gather on the Sabbath, you could collect twice as much, and it would keep on that one day of the week. Uh, so you could gather what you needed for Saturday, and so you would keep that, and you'd have enough for the double portion. So instantly... People <laughs> tried to keep it. They tried to keep it the the extra day. They didn't believe God, and then it had worms and and stank. Uh, and then they uh, and then they did the other. Then on Friday, or they went out. And then on Saturday, when he said there wasn't going to be any, they go out looking for it. And he's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you What are you looking for? I told you there wasn't going to be any man there." He's like, "How long? How long are we going to do this? How long are we going? I'm going to tell you stuff." And then you're still not going to trust me. And I'm going to tell you, those words just kind of echo through my soul that uh, it's like God saying, how long are we going to do this? How long am I going to tell you that I'm going to provide for you, that I'm going to take care of you, that I'm going to, that this is how I operate and you're still going to do it like, you know, like, like you pray for this to happen and I, or I t- show you this is going to happen and then you go out acting like it's not going to happen or that it's not going to be real. And, uh, and it is, it's like, I feel like. Uh, I just stupid. I, that's the only reason I can. That's the only word that's coming to me right now. Uh, I just feel stupid uh, because I I just don't trust him. And I I see that in other people. I look and think, how could they be so stupid? And then I know because I I think that's the word um, my grandkids aren't allowed to say. So I, I keep saying it over <laughs> and over again. So I put, we'll have to put a parental parental guidance uh, warning. <laughs> A maturity warning on the on this podcast because Pastor Troy says stupid at least five times. Little but, e um, next to the title. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and but you know that's the uh, the thing that I think he was just really communicating me this week is that when I say something, it is it, it you take it as real. You know that this is this is me. I'm God. And when I tell you, um, you know, we we did uh, one of the messages this past week. Um, that you can listen to online. We talked about not only can you hear the podcast, you can hear the sermons, but it was the cure for anxiety. And I knew when I preached that message that he was going to test me in that to see if uh, when you say, hey, don't worry, don't worry about anything, no matter what happens, we are not to worry, that God's like, oh, you mean that? Do you really believe that? And it's like, well, let's, let's test that. But the, it's true. When he says don't worry, he means don't worry. He he literally says, I'm going to take care of you. Yet our worry 
is is just like those Israelites going out looking for bread on a Saturday, or just like the Israelites trying to keep enough for the next day. Um, I mean, can you imagine? It's like, oh my gosh, the manna is spoiling. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, we, there's no manna out on the ground. What are we going to do? It's like, I told you exactly this was going to happen, and you should have prepared for it. So anyway, that's what I got. Mm, that's really good. I uh, I wrote down on that section, you know where it says in, uh, like where you read, verse 29, it says, understand that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. And I'm, I'm like looking mm. forward in the Bible here, and it says Ten Commandments come on chapter 20, and yeah. this is chapter 16. Right. So like God has it's like it's like he's trying to prepare them for the written law of the Ten yeah. Commandments. Yeah, it, the later, Sabbath it's like is, it's a, is built in. Yeah, it's built it's into built the very in, fabric. And it's like a gift. You know, Jesus yeah. says later in the Gospels that the, the Sabbath was given to man. This is yeah. like the moment that the Sabbath is like a gift and they're not even accepting it as a gift. Yeah, man, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. So. Right, right. Awesome. And we can't even we can't even obey when it's for when we know it's for our good. Yeah. So, man. You said that, Josh. I hope you realize Jesus said that. I didn't. That's not me. I'm just quoting Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I just I hadn't heard it. Don't give me credit for that. This conversation, okay. like the yeah. Say, yeah. <laughs> Troy. That Troy. That's amazing. Where did you hear that, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus told me. I need to hang out with people like Josh more often who still get wowed by God's word. <laughs> I know, I know. It's pretty phenomenal, yeah. It's it's positive. I'm so young. It's it sounds like we're making fun of you, but really it's it's a blessing that yeah, like, it, I love it, it is. We do love it, yeah. That's why I love like hanging with college students because they're so in love with God's word. Not that like adult, you know, like older adults aren't, but they're just instantly impressed with what they yeah. read in it. And it's like that yep. is so cool to be around. Well, and for those who are – oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to – but I just want to say for those who aren't aware because they listen to podcasts, if you don't watch us on Facebook Live, if you listen to podcasts, you're thinking, Troy sounds so young. He Surely he's the youngest of the three. Um, but in reality, <laughs> I am the eldest of the three. But we have three different generations represented. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, if we cool. could. If we if Randy could walk up the stairs, we have four, four generations. <laughs> oh. Sorry, that was cruel. So he doesn't listen. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm I'm Generation X. Uh, Daniel's a millennial, and Josh is Generation Z, um, or whatever they call themselves these days. But uh, but anyway, I, so still, I, I think it's cool though. We have that we have different age groups represented and, and different perspectives. And what now, I was going to say was that. Um, College students and you students love hearing from you guys as well. And it's almost as if God um, wanted the local church to work together, right? What? And so <laughs> oh, discipleship wow. is yeah. built in just like the Sabbath for us, for our good. Um, and so there's a little plug for the local church. Get involved in Bible studies. Get involved in students' lives. And students get involved with, you know, people Daniel's age and Choi's age and, um, you know, the senior adults. That's, that's what we're called to do. I'm going to go back a, um, a chapter to Exodus 15 where um, Moses and Israel like sing the song of deliverance, right? So they've just watched the Red Sea just topple over and crush the Egyptian army, right? So um, so I, put, I wrote down, we celebrate the victories the Lord gives us. And uh, we use them as an Ebenezer, so like... I use that word, and what that means is like, so Israelites would go, and um, when they crossed the Jordan River, 
um, later. God says, hey, grab some stones from the Jordan River while it's while I've split it and stack them up so that when you pass by it, you remember the great things that I've done for you as a as an Ebenezer, they call that. Um, so it's not in a reference to Christmas time. But um, but we use God's the victories that he gives us as an Ebenezer moving forward until the next time he gives victory. And if you read this, it's full of really, really violent language against God's enemies, but yet in a celebratory kind of feel. And so um, I put it may not seem like it sometimes in the heat of our suffering, um, but God is fiercely loyal to his people. Um, so like when he does give a victory, I think it's important to mark the occasion with celebration and not just, you know, gloss over it. I think we're, we're prone to um, cry out to God for help uh, when we need it. And then when he finally does give the help that we've received, it's like, oh, phew, well, that was rough. Now I'm just going to move right along with my life and not celebrate the great things that he's done. And the interesting thing about that celebration in Exodus 15 is that it's carried on for generations and generations and generations of Israelites where even God himself references what he does in that moment that they're celebrating in Exodus 15, even to the point where Psalms 18 was in our reading this week. Um, and and it's a long psalm, so I'm not going to read it all, but it kind of climaxes on verse 25 where it says, with the faithful, you prove yourself faithful. And with the blameless, you prove yourself blameless. It's this whole thing of like God takes care of his own in opposition to his enemies. And, uh, and you know, we could talk about the tension between loving your enemies and praying for deliverance from your enemies. Um, the Bible's got tension like that, I think, for a reason um, to help us kind of stretch us and get us a little uncomfortable. Um, but man, but ultimately, I, th- I think where I landed from this song that I got to watch Israel and Moses sing was that when God gives victory, revel in the victory. Um, I think when this COVID season is over, um, those listening in the distant future, um, this is 2021. We're trying to come out of uh, COVID restrictions and a bunch of pandemic um, aftermath. And when we finally do come out of it. I think we should celebrate. I think we should have a big, look what God carried us through. Um, look what look what it could have been and look how God upheld his church as he always does. I think that would be right for us to do. And, and things like that, even in our personal lives, not just as a church, but um, in our lives, we should mark when God has been exceedingly faithful and kind. Um, and so the next time that we're in the hard um, heat of a bad situation, we can remember like, oh yeah, God was really faithful, and I remember because we we celebrated, we had a party, um, and I was there. So, anyway, that's just kind of the thoughts I was thinking reading that those those chapters. Cool. Well, mine's right before that in Exodus chapter fourteen. Um, they're celebrating because of this moment. Um, it's crossing the Red Sea. This is a story that we're probably all familiar with, even if you don't go to church. Um, or if you didn't grow up in church, we know that, that that God is powerful and he split the Red Sea, right? They made a Hollywood movie about it. And um, so people know of this story. And I think quite often it, it gets missed about um, how incredibly scary this must have been for not only um, the Israelites, but for the Egyptians as well. Like this is a big story uh, in the Bible and it shows God's incredible power. And um, so anyway, my main point was that we serve a powerful God and that the Lord fights for his people. And so there's a few um, just like verses that I want to share through this um, is 
Verse 13 says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. And so we go down a little bit further in verse 19. And it says, the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. And I just, this pillar uh, of fire by day and pillar or pillar of cloud by day and pillar uh, of um, fire by night is just such a cool thing of God's presence um, and just showing protection and that God is involved with our lives um, and that we just can't see it right now. But back then when God's presence was this pillar of cloud and this pillar of fire, the Israelites had something to look out and to look at and to understand that, wow, God is with us um, and he is here. And that is just a cool just seeing that God did for the people of Israel to uh, make himself known. He protected them um, and it was clouds and, you know, and he, he led them and he protected them from forward and behind. And then what we see is God tells Moses to um, part the sea by stretching out his hand and God sent an east wind, it says, um, and all night it, it blew the seas um, to be parted. And how scary, I mean, who knows how many gallons of water was being held back yeah. so that the people of Israel could just walk through? I mean, I do the math on I that real quick. I don't know what I would do Daniel. if I would. What do you say? What do you so say? do the math on that. Daniel, do the math on that real quick. How many gallons oh, of water? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we think about how scary the ocean is, um, just like in general. But I mean, imagine walking, having to walk through it, uh, and seeing it on mountainous sides of you, and having yeah. no idea what's going to happen. I mean. Um, they know that God is going to protect them, but this is scary. And I, I just, I think that we don't understand, um, how incredibly crazy this was. Uh, and then right after that, as, as they walked through the people of, um, Egypt came through and God destroyed them. He, and in fact, mm. Israelites never saw those Egyptians again because God protected them from it. And I just think it's an incredible story that when we think about it in its context, when we think about it coming to life, that it, it should show us how powerful God is and that he is there for us. You know, vengeance is his and all they had to do was be silent and be and, and obey. And it's just, it's really, really cool as I read it again. Yeah, we okay, were talking about the that number. the other day. How scary that you got, dude, you, <laughs> do you really have a number? I Googled it, yeah. What is it? Oh do we want to know? It's, um... 4.72 times 1,100 and I'm sorry, 1,016. So we're looking at a lot of a lot. water. A lot of water. Yeah. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> thanks for thanks for checking that out. Hey, uh, yeah, we were talking about that the other day about how would it hate to wouldn't you hate to be the first ones to have to walk out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And because uh, because it's like. Those are things you don't. Nobody's ever seen before. It's like, hey, this is just like my grandpa used to talk about walking through the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. There's no, nobody's ever done it, and no. uh, and so you're out there not knowing. I mean, it's just the hand of God holding that water back, and you're right. completely trusting that He's not gonna destroy you. And As another he did, crazy the thing is that He used nature to move nature. Like He used an yeah, east used wind, the wind. Yeah. to divide it, and even that's powerful. Like He just cause the wind to move gallons and gallons of water uh, is yeah. just awesome. Yeah, it is pretty yeah. cool. Super cool. Um, I've been to the Red Sea, actually. So I've seen it. And I, Did it, you walk uh, through 
I, if it had parted, I would have been tempted. <laughs> but I, it did not. It did not part for me. I didn't. I didn't stick my hand out over it and go, you know, like see what would happen either. So, yeah, uh, that would have been that would have been momentous. But uh, no. But it did give me. It did give me a. Uh, I mean, you can see across it, so it's not like you can't see the land yeah. on the other side. But it is. It is a. It's like being at the Great Lakes or something. It's you don't. You can't imagine putting a million people through there. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that. Of course, you know that that's kind of the fixed point in history. You have the Red Sea, is that kind of line. If you when you read through the Psalms and and Old Testament references, this is God's moment of proof of how mm-hmm. amazing His power is. In the New yeah. Testament, well, even to now is the resurrection. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but in the Old Testament, up until the resurrection, the Red Sea was really that was God's major moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, super cool. So cool. Yeah, so it looks like we, we all went back 16, 15, 14. Let's see if we do that in Matthew. Uh, but yeah. uh, I'm gonna. I'm in Psalms. I've got. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to um, not take um, Daniel. I know you had something from Matthew 22. I'm just gonna have to ask you outright. What was it, what was the verses? Yeah, in Matthew it was. 22? I, I've got 15 through 22. Cool. I'm doing 10 through 13. So there we go. Sweet. That's, we're all good. We're, we're solid. Um, we're good. Um, the um, my, mine says, so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, you know, as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he's making clear that people have to respond to his invitation and be changed in order to be a part of his kingdom. And those who don't respond to his invitation are those who are simply ignoring the gospel call. So before these verses, he's talking about people who are just ignoring him. And so he sends them out into the highways to bring more people in. Um, but even then, uh, when you come to Jesus, we have to be changed. We can't. Or we can't stay with him. And so even if, if we're hanging around other people who are changed and we want to be in the – we ourselves have to be uh, made new. Um, the warning is a real warning. I, I think sometimes people will look at this and say, oh, so people – he's talking about somebody who loses their salvation or something. Or how did this guy get in in the first place? I think it gives a, this – it's not the – the picture that some people get is that it's heaven – and this guy got into heaven, and then Jesus sees him and kicks him out of heaven. But that's not that's not what he's trying to say in the imagery. He's saying that here's a person who um, is in the presence of God, believing he is worthy of getting in. Yet when God looks at him, he's like, "You're not wearing you're not wearing the clothes that my son provided for you." And so, therefore, you and he's speechless. He knows that he is, he has nothing to say in defense of him. I mean, there's otherwise he would have said, "Oh no, this is this is why." You know, we asked the question in Evangelism Explosion uh, when you ask somebody if you were to stand before a holy God and he were to ask you, "Why should I allow you into my heaven?" What would you say to him? And I think a lot of people are going to be speechless um, because they don't have a justification for being there. And that's that's the um, 
that's why we put our faith in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who is our advocate. It has to be, our response has to be, I am not worthy to be here. I am completely trusting in Jesus getting me in. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you didn't deserve to be somewhere, but somebody gave you a backstage pass or gave you the ability to be there, and you're, and then somebody comes up and says, why are you here? And you're like, ah, them, ask them. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm here. I don't deserve to be here. But this person that I know said I could come. And so, um, and that's the way it will be in heaven. I'm, I'm completely not able to be there, except for the fact that Jesus is giving me a pass. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Cool, cool, so, good. So good I, I hope it didn't trounce. I hope it didn't trounce on here. And then Daniel follows in Matthew twenty-two with the following verses. So. Yeah, the following verses. That's right. Um, so I'm reading uh, the section, and immediately I'm thinking of our political climate because the section's on taxes, right? And um, say what you want about political parties, but they differ on a couple. You know, key points, and one of them the is couple. yeah, <laughs> and one of them is uh, what do you do with what do you do with your money? Like, do you give it to the government? Is taxation theft? I actually have a lot of friends, really close friends, who um, are big on this taxation is theft kind of movement, and and I hear that, and I'm like, hey, that sounds kind of good. I you know I I like not having to give my money away. I was you know, it's just a byproduct of my environment, I guess. But um, but they have this taxation is theft thing going around like Facebook and everything and I see that and um, and I'm reading the Pharisees and I'm thinking that they have kind of a taxation is theft kind of vibe too because they're, what are they trying to do? They're trying to trap Jesus by asking them, is it lawful to give taxes to Caesar? So you've got this one party of people who want him to say that you don't give your money to the government and you have this other group of people who want him to say that you do give your money to the government and I'm thinking, wow, that doesn't sound familiar to my situation at all, um, except that it does tremendously. So um, I'm reading it, and uh, of course I know how it ends, but um, it's interesting that Jesus says that you um, you give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and you give to God's what's God's. And I, I'm, I'm dwelling on that, right? And I'm thinking, okay, so he, he asks for a coin. I don't know if it's in this gospel or I'm looking at it. Um, yeah, he asks them for a coin. He's like, "Who's whose face is on the coin?" And they say, "Well, it's it's, it's Washington's. I mean, it's Caesar's." Um, and, uh, and so you give render to, un, render under Washington. What is Washington's? Exactly. So I'm reading that. And I'm like, okay. So for the believer, Washington is literally on our money. I don't know if that was deliberate on their part or not, but um, you give to Washington what's 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 whose face is on the stuff. So whoever's face is on it is the one that owns it, is what I'm getting from this section. And so who's on our face? Like, whose face is on us? Well, Hmm. if you're a believer, it's Jesus, right? God looks at you, he sees Jesus, hopefully. I mean, that's what I'm counting on. So um, if, if I'm burying the face of Christ, then I don't own myself. The believer doesn't own themselves. They give themselves entirely to christ um so like what does the believer truly own we don't own our money so which means we don't own anything that we have we don't own our selves we don't, so like we are just here to do the will of our father and we don't get to say <laughs> so we uh well like you know god okay i'm gonna give god 10 percent 
of my I'm going to give the, I'm going to give Washington 20% of the money cuz that's what he asks for and I'm going to give God 10% because I think that's probably enough and I'm going to keep 70 when really none of it has my face on it so I don't get any of it I'm just a pass through instrument so I have to be faithful uh, and then Okay, okay, so I'm going to give God one day of my week, like we talked about earlier. Like, he gives us the Sabbath, so I'm going to spend that day kind of focusing on him. Um, you know, you know, conversations about what day the Sabbath is aside. I'm going to give one day to God, and I'm going to keep six days for myself. I think that's pretty fair, um, but it's not. We don't get our other six days because we bear the image of Christ. So that means that all of our life is Christ's. Um, so I think just living in that is challenging for sure, at least for me, because um, even as I do my job, which I think is the Lord's work, the best that I can figure, uh, I've I've given my life to Him not only in my spirit but also in like my vocation and my family. Like I try to give it all to Him, but then yet I still claim things for myself on accident without even thinking about it. It's like it's my default mode, and. Um, so it's just this constant dying to myself, constant recognizing, okay, is it Daniel's face that I'm seeing in the mirror or is it Christ? Because if it's Daniel's, then I you know, I might as well just do what I want. But if it's Christ, then I need to really make sure that I'm giving to God what's God's. And I think it's important to point out as well is that this isn't only for followers of Christ, but for the whole world. The, uh, because everyone is made in the image of God. And so when he says, um, give to God what is God's, he's saying, give your life, give your whole self to me because I made you to bear my image. And so if you're paying to Caesar what's Caesar's, you're in my image. So no matter if you believe in me or not, you're mine. So give your life to me, which is the gospel. I mean, he's like he's saying this to the Pharisees. He's saying this to people around him. And so the Greeks need to give their life to him. The Gentiles, you know, we all need to give our life to him. And if we are in Christ, that like that is even more reason to give our life to him. So, yeah, I just wanted to yeah. point that out, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, Josh. Okay, so mine is in Psalm 19, um, and this um, passage was just something that I needed to hear this week. Um, I Well, let me read the passages first, and then you guys can hear. So um, the first verse is Psalm 19, sorry, Psalm 18. Oops. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. And so it goes on to kind of explain how God protects us and all this kind of stuff. But as we go on a little bit further, verse 46, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. And I think that this week for me, I was really relying on myself, um, not like faith wise, but I was taking refuge in myself. Um, I was thinking that my brain was good enough, my faith was good enough, and so I could take on the cares of this world, and I could take refuge in my brain, and I could control the world around me because I knew that I was solid. Um, and this this was perfect for me to hear because it says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all, for those who take refuge in him. And it, it was good for me to remember, okay, 
take refuge in him. He's the one whose word is true. He's the one whose word is perfect. And I can't rely on myself to be my rock because I'm not my rock because he's my rock and he's my salvation. And the Lord lives, right? I mean, the Old Testament says this and Jesus lives. He is the living God um, and he is with me and he is the rock and he is all of these things that we can describe him as. Um, and yet sometimes um, we just take refuge in ourself, in our mind, um, or in our home, or you know, in our job, or whatever it may be. Um, and I just needed to hear that week, uh, hear that this week, and just know that God is my shield, He's my fortress, He's my refuge, He's my rock, and that there's nothing that I can do to protect myself from the evil one um, because He's the one who does it all. So yeah. that's kind of. And I think when anything. we we use when we use another rock or another shield or another whatever, God demonstrates that it won't hold up. And I, yes. I think people wonder, why did this fail? Why did my job fail? Why did this fail? Why did this relationship fail? And it's like, because you leaned on that, you, mm-hmm. you were looking at that as your protection, your shield, yeah. your, your fortress. And, and God's like, that's not, it's not me. Yeah. And I'm going to show you that that's not strong enough to hold you. That's not strong enough yeah. to protect you. It, the grace is given is when he does that before it becomes devastating. Mm-hmm. You know, so when it yeah. happens at a time where, you know, it causes pain or difficulty, but it doesn't destroy you, uh, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I want you to see those cracks be- long yeah. before it becomes something really bad. And mm-hmm. hope, the hope is that we then turn to him for to be our rock and our shield. He really... Yeah. Not only is he our rock, he wants to be our rock. You know, he wants us to lean right. on him and to look to him. So yeah, good, good, good stuff. And that and that uh, actually the talking about him being um, our resurrection and uh, an eternal whatever that goes into some of the questions. One of the questions I had. So um, so let's come back and we'll yeah. we'll do some questions. All right, here we are. This is the question and answer segment where no holds are barred. Well, a couple questions are barred, but that's because they're dumb questions. Um, right. But we're going to address yeah. serious questions uh, When your today. teacher said there's no such thing as a dumb question, she wasn't telling you the truth. That's, that's a challenge is how I took yeah. it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about some legit questions. Uh, we talked about them before we hit record, and they're – they're questions every Christian either has or will ask at some point. So I'm really right. excited to dig into it. Um, Josh, I think you've got the first one. So tee us it. up. Yeah. Um, just to kind of laugh along with the asking dumb questions thing, a lot of people think that asking questions like I'm about to ask are dumb and that Christians should just know this answer and mm-hmm. that we shouldn't even question it. But it's important to know this answer to this these sorts of questions um, right. so that we can grow in our faith more. And so um, these are going to be questions like, who is God? Who is Jesus? Like, what are what are the points of these things? And so today's question um, kind of came up uh, in Matthew 21, verse 22. Um, Jesus is talking, um, and he has just cursed this fig tree, and it wilted. And so the disciples are asking some questions about it. But Jesus responds and says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive in faith. And so... Troy, why do we pray? Um, if God is all-knowing, if he knows our hearts, if he knows mm-hmm. what he is going to do, then why do we pray? What's the point of it? Yeah, I used to use this uh, analogy that um, when my grandfather would uh, let me drive his tractor, 
and I was four years old. I wasn't really skilled at tractor driving, but uh, but I felt like I was driving the tractor because he would put me in his lap and I had my hands on the steering wheel. And um, I did go through a strawberry patch once, but that's another story. The uh, it messed up, but but I was drive, but he would let me drive and so forth, and kind of would you know. But the 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 neat part about it was is my hands are on the wheel, but his hands are on the wheel too. And so I can, I, it, to me, it feels like I'm steering and I'm making the tra- the tractor go where I want, but I'm still within only the guidelines. Uh, you know, I, he's there. I know as an adult now that he's letting me steer up to a point, but then he's getting it where it needs to go. But, but what's happening is he's, is there's a relationship that's happening now. There's actually, he's developing a relationship between me and him. And mm-hmm. and prayer is is God involving His children in His redemptive process. He yes, God has already purposed what He wants to do, but He extends to us and says, "Hey, if you will ask for it, uh, I'll put your hands on the wheel, and mm-hmm. let you speak it." And so when we speak it, He's like, "I'm going to do it because you said it." But He's guiding us in that. His hands are still on the wheel. He's not letting us go rogue. I mean, we're not just making massive changes in the universe without. <laughs> and God's going, "Oh my goodness, I wish you hadn't asked for that." He's still He's still carrying out His will and carrying out His plan. But because He wants us to be involved in His redemptive process, because He wants us to have a relationship with Him, He's teaching us. This is how I think. This is how I do things, and so forth. Now, now you do it. And so when. When we, mm-hmm. if we pull hard to the left and the wheel's going hard to the right, he's going. That's not. That's not how I do things. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so we learned that. And that's why he says we. He gives us the example of taking the the yoke upon him, his yoke. And the and the the illustration he gives is back in the ancient world. You had two. You had this giant ox, and uh, and you would bring a young ox up beside it, and the yoke was that thing. You know that wood thing that goes over both of them. Yeah. And so the big strong ox is pulling in the path that he knows, a straight path that he's always done. Well, you get this young ox or whatever, he's going all over the place, but the big ox is just dragging him in the straight path and so forth. Well, when he finally stops fighting against the big ox, well, he it, it's super easy because the big ox is pulling the whole load and he just walks along with it. And so he learns, oh, if I go this way, well, then as he learns this pattern, now he grows and grows stronger and gets to carry this. And not that we've ever become God, obviously, but when we take on the yoke of Jesus and stop pulling against him and begin to pray with him, then we begin to see, wait a second, all my prayers are being answered. Everything I ask for in faith, he is doing because I'm doing it in sync with him. And I, I, I was, uh, again, one of the stories in the Bible I love is the story of Elijah when he calls down fire from heaven. Mm-hmm. It never says God tells him, call down fire from heaven. He just goes out and calls down fire from heaven and it comes. But we know because God gives us this greater revelation that Elijah was so in sync with God and so uh, intimate with him that he knew exactly what God wanted to do at that time, which is why God did it. It wasn't that Elijah was doing something and God's up in heaven going, you know, Elijah's pushing a button going, God, God, I need fire. And God's up in heaven going, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You asked. You're Elijah. Obviously, I got to respond. No, it was that God wanted to do that. And he knew God wanted to do it. He wanted, God wanted to defend his name, defend his honor, and destroy the province of Baal. And Elijah was just doing that. Now, he could he have told Elijah that before and it just wasn't recorded? Absolutely. But, but that's but that's still the idea is that he got through to Elijah what he wanted to do, and Elijah called for it, prayed for it, and it happened. 
And that's the same way it is for us. He wants a, It's an amazing opportunity for us to participate in the redemptive plan of God. So, um, so to not to not do it is like your granddaddy asking, "Do you want to go for a ride in the tractor?" And looking at him, going, "Nah, I want to play on the Nintendo. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to hang with you." And uh, and that's and that's really what we do when we when we don't pray. We're just telling God, "I don't. I don't really care to relate to you in that way." Mm-hmm. Um, and we miss out on an amazing opportunity um, to grow in that relationship. So that is one of the best explanations for prayer I've probably ever heard. I've heard you explain oh. it a bunch of times, and that one was the best time you've done it. Uh, well, so good, nice. That was just for the um, podcast. And I, yeah. I, yeah, and I love that um, you were just preached. You preached on probably this last Sunday or the one before. Uh, listeners, you can go back; it's on our podcast episodes. Every other one is a sermon, uh, but where it says uh, that God delights. Um, to give you the king, to give his people the kingdom, mm, right? Like yeah. God, God finds joy in that. And even in the garden, his first thing is like, man, this is yours to rule. Like yeah. when they had perfection on their belt, it's like, well, not belt because they weren't wearing anything. But um, when they had perfection <laughs> on their shoulders, now I'm getting mental pictures I don't need. Yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> when they had perfection in them, God was like, you have full autonomy. Rule the universe. Do what you want. And even after we sinned, it's like God is constantly trying to give us the kingdom. And and I think that's 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 a great picture for me. That's really helpful for me. So thank you. But it's also people wonder, well, how do we pray? I don't know. I don't know what to pray for. How am I know I'm, I'm aligning with God's will? And it's like, well, he gives us the answer when he says, this is how you pray. And he goes forth <laughs> yeah. and he gives us the Lord's prayer. He's like, hey. I want to be glorified, and I'm going to be glorified by my kingdom coming and my will being done, um, which is the gospel getting to the world. And I will um, allow you to go and do those things. I will provide for you. I will give you daily bread. Repent for your sins. Forgive others as I've forgiven you. And if you do all things, my name will get glory. And so pray for his glory. Pray for his kingdom to come, for his will be done. And that's that relationship building, knowing that God tells us to do something and we do it. Uh, and we can we can give him those promises back and and kind of say, hey, God, you said this and I trust in you and I love you. So here's your promises back and, and say, think, and say, God, uh, answer, answer, the, answer my prayers um, by being faithful to your promises. And he does that. Yeah, I think it's funny that you brought up the Lord's Prayer because I, I do laugh because people all the time will say, I don't know how to pray. And it's like funny because Jesus disciples asked him the exact same question. And Jesus answered the question, and so it's written in the Bible. This yeah. is how you pray, and yeah. they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know he says that the Lord's prayer, whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the answer to your question. Pray that way. <laughs> yes. And yeah. they're like, you mean what? I, they're like, I just don't want to recite the Lord's prayer every day. It's like, well, that's a good start. <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong with it. I don't think if you just simply said those words verbatim every day for the rest of your life, God's going to go, no, 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 I need more flowery language than that. Uh, But the truth is, is that when you begin to um, just simply, when you do, you start with there and you begin to think through that, the element of that and asking God for, I mean, thinking about what you're actually asking for, um, words, additional words just come naturally as a result of that. But um, yeah. Cool. Yes. Uh, cool. Good deal. Well, here's uh, here that that was a good question. My questions are they're in the Bible, but they are not as pleasant um, <laughs> because it's from Exodus chapter 21, 
And uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Exodus 21. And, um, well, let me just say, when we get into the law, um, mm. things get rough real fast. And he, uh, God gives the laws about slaves. I don't know any other way to dress that up. And it is extreme. It's always <laughs> been troublesome to me because here you have laws about slavery and I know that people will uh, – I don't know why people don't ask these questions because I'm like, how did you read that this week and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that's what I do. That's what God wants me to do with my slaves um, and and not think, why does God have laws about slaves? Why would he at this point say, hmm, slavery's wrong? Just <laughs> let's just not do that altogether, um, and, uh, which is a, a, to me a fantastic question. And so I hope if you didn't ask it, maybe you were afraid to ask it, like Josh was afraid to ask about the rock too big that God couldn't pick up. Um, but uh, but here's here's what it says. It says, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he is to serve for six years. Then on the seventh, he is to leave as a free man without paying anything. If he arrives alone, he is to leave alone. If he arrives with a wife, his wife is to leave with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children belong to her master and the man must leave alone. But if the slave declares, I love my master, my wife and my children, I do not want to leave as a free man, his master is to bring him to the judges and then bring him to the door or doorpost. His master will pierce his ear with an awl and he will serve his master for life. When it's, it's already bad right now. When a man sells his daughter as a concubine, she is not to leave as the male slaves do. If she is displeasing to her master who chose her for himself, then he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has acted treacherously toward her. Or if he chooses her for his son, he must deal with her according to the customary treatment of daughters. If he takes an additional wife, he must not reduce the food, clothing, or marital rights of the first wife. And if it is not do these three things for her, she may leave free of charge without any payment. Yeah. Here's a message for all you dads out there. If you're going to sell your daughter into being a concubine, here's the way you do that. That's what God said. Now, the, this is, the reason why this is such a struggle uh, for me, for anybody who reads it, is because when we read it, a lot of times we read the Old Testament and the law that's being given as God saying, this is how I want you to do it. But what's really happening is this is the way they're doing it. They're doing these things already, and God is saying, I'm putting some guidelines on what you are already practicing. Jesus helps us with this, because when they talk about divorce, and they're talking about, is this permissive for divorce, and this permissive for divorce, and they ask, you know, doesn't uh, doesn't Moses allow for us to have this certificate of divorce, and, and, what are the, and God says, it's only because of the hardness of your heart that Moses gave you those guidelines. And, and this is a great case in point. It's only because of the hardness of people's hearts that these that they have this standard of slavery, that they have this this system of, of servitude that they have people and selling and the position they have on women and so forth. Only because of the hardness of heart they have these things in the first place. And God is just simply trying to prescribe, here's how I want this to be handled in the most faithful way possible, given the societal reflect given given your societal place that you have, given the culture that you are existing in. Here's how I want you to handle this. Uh, but his goal is, and, he, and so you look elsewhere, his goal is for you not to be slaves at all. Obviously, his goal is for us all to be free. His goal is, right. is that we – plus you have a system that's put in place that there's no welfare. There's no government intervention. There's no standard here to take care of these people. 
these people will starve to death if they don't have this system set up. These are people who are impoverished, and so they are placed in this life of servitude because this is their housing. This is how they're going to be taken care of. It is the system that they have for doing these things. It's not a good one. God's not endorsing it. He's just simply saying, this is the one you have, and so within this system that you are have in order to take care of people, here's how I want you to handle these things. Um, and then, but ultimately, he keeps leading back to, but there has to be a time where everybody is set free. There has mm-hmm. to be a time of jubilee. Yeah. He's trying to work them toward a, fra- a place of freedom, and they never even get there. I mean, he's he's trying to prescribe a plan to follow and saying, ultimately, this results in your freedom. They never get there until Christ comes, and then he liberates mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, so, um, so when Paul deals with slavery in the New Testament, it's more of a, again, a concession. It's more about, uh, well, we're free in Christ. And so we're just, we're all, we're all really slaves of sin. And so ultimately we're just trying to get out of this fallen world into a place where we don't have to deal with these things anymore. But while we're dealing with it, here's how you deal with it. So again, somebody should have asked that question (laughs) to say, I'm cool with that. Worry about our congregation sometimes, true. I'm cool with slavery. It's no big deal. Uh, no, it's no. I'm I, I'm always afraid of that bite being taken out of context to read some meme or something. Pastor Troy said this, so no, we're not cool with slavery, and God is not either. But uh, but He deals with uh, with things because of the hardness of people's hearts, and um, and then finally uh, a question about uh, in this passage in Matthew chapter 22 is Jesus is dealing with uh, the Pharisees. Um, he says, uh, it says, Jesus answered and said, to them, well, first of all, Jesus has been put in a trap. He's already, he's already um, put the Pharisees in their place, and so, or, or maybe it was the Sadducees first. The, but anyway, the Sadducees come to him trying to trap him about the resurrection. They don't believe in anything such as the resurrection, mm-hmm. and so they are like, hey, what would happen then if um, I, you know, a man lives, he dies, and then uh, his his brother is because under Jewish law, if you died, then your brother is supposed to step in and take care of your wife. And again, it was a provision to take to make sure that widows were taken care of. And so and and also that their their bloodlines would continue and that the property would continue to be passed on to that heir. And so they're saying if we live forever, this guy had, is going to have she's going to have seven husbands because one dies and then the next one dies and the next one dies and the next one dies and finally she dies. So, so how, if you have this thing in heaven, then how are you going to do this? And so Jesus answers them. And Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Now, I'm just going to say right there, I love that statement because he's like, <laughs> you're stupid. <laughs> he's like, you're mistaken and you don't know God's power. So let me just put you in your place. And that's and why says, they were sad, the res- that, That's why they were sad, you see. Thank you for that. Uh, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. The question that should be asked, if people don't ask, is what will be what will we be like in eternity? You know, and will we? And and the question: Do we have? Do we know our spouses? People ask it all the time. Well, I know the person I'm married to, and um, uh, isn't that? Does nobody think of that besides me? I mean, when we get to heaven, how are we going to no, relate to one another? I think about that. And, <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Josh. I appreciate that. So somebody should send that question in. I'm, I hate to keep scolding you all about the questions, but um, first he says 
he says he's saying to the Sadducees, "You're you're wrong and you're ignorant of God's word," um, because first of all, he says God is not the God of the dead; He is the God of the living. By saying He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and um, and they um, hold on a second, I gotta put this earphone in. There we go. The uh, he says we are. Uh, when we are in heaven, we're going to be like the angels. So there's no marriage in heaven. But you have to understand what marriage was given for. It was a covenant agreement that God gave to us for the point of procreation. And so when we get to heaven, crea- procreation is not a, uh, an element of eternal life. So all the people who are going to be born have been born. We won't be continuing to multiply and produce more people. Everybody everybody who is in the Lamb's Book of Life will have been born and will have uh, been established for all eternity to serve in God's kingdom. And so when we're there, we're more like the angels of heaven. Um, doesn't say we won't have a gender, because we we do have uh, angels with a gender, but gender and love aren't connected anymore. Uh, here's a statement I just want to make about just about answering, I don't know, a hundred questions at one time. We have all this issue about what gender am I and what if I love somebody of the same gender and so forth, and God gives specific things and guidelines to that. When people say, well, we're closed-minded about something, you just have to understand, we recognize that God created us in this world and created marriage in order to develop a family. Biologically, he designed us for a man and a woman to come together to give birth to children in order to produce children. And our sexual desire and everything is to be confined within that relationship. In a fallen world, it's it's distorted it, it's perverted it, and so forth. But we were made to love everybody. I mean, we can have, you can have relationships. A, a male can love a male, a female can love a female. Obviously, that's we're designed to love people, not within a sexual context, because that's reserved for procreation within the bounds mm-hmm. of marriage. But in heaven... We're going to have the freedom to maintain all those relationships, you know, and I, I think what what really what people are longing for is something that heaven is going to provide where they're saying, I just want to be able to love this person and, and the church not to judge me for that. And and really, God is like, yeah, that you can love that person for all eternity. Yeah. But here in this place, I've put boundaries up because you are in a fallen world. And because it will go into a places that you don't want. So I've I put these boundaries for your protection and by my grace. But uh, so will I recognize my? Absolutely, I believe I'll recognize my wife in heaven, and we can spend. And if we, you know, I don't. I haven't rectified this. That if she says I want you to hang out with me uh, all the time for all for the next seventy-five million years, if God will allow me to not do that uh, without making her mad. <laughs> Uh, I haven't figured that. <laughs> I don't. I haven't figured that out yet. If I got my buddy over here who's wanting to go, you know, fishing in, in the afterlife, uh, if my wife was going to be cool with that. Uh, but I think that goes back like... to the slavery conversation we had just a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yikes. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, we probably better wrap it up with that. But the uh, but, but the idea is, but the idea is, is that God had we 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 are so he's this is the part that Jesus says to the Sadducees that is so true for us. He says, you don't, not only do you not know the scriptures, you don't know the power of God. Yeah. He says, you have, you have no idea how amazing God is going to make eternity and how all these things are going to be rectified. And we're all going to feel so, so silly 
that uh, uh, when we get there, uh, because it's it's going to be so much more amazing than and and it, it's always a chance to expand um, love. I mean, we'll love will just be redefined and uh, it, it, love will have more freedom uh, than we had in this life. So. Uh, so obviously it's something we should all be looking forward to and expanding on. But while we're here, marriage is limited between a man and a woman for the purpose of that, uh, of maintaining a family. So, and we are not, to, and we are not to question God in that. We are to be obedient. So. Cool. cool okay. Cool. All right. I think it's all been right. good. Well, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Guys. Thanks for joining us, everybody. See you guys next Join week. us next week on another exciting adventures of yeah, dude, understanding Jesus. Start, start reading the Word. If you haven't been reading the Word with us, just start reading. Pick it up and just uh, be reading the Bible. And if you, whatever you're reading, wherever you're reading, if questions come up, sure, just come. Or, or God, if God shows you something and you just want to share, this is what God. I don't have a question, but this is what God showed me. We'd love to hear that also. So be sure and share that. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.